Before we get into God's word this morning, let's, uh, let's bow our heads for another word of prayer. Dearly Father, I just want to thank you so much for your blessings. Lord, I want to thank you for uh, your sons and daughters that I have the privilege to worship you with this morning. Lord, I ask that you be with us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's this amazing story in the book of Daniel. I know that most of us have heard it several times. Most of us have uh, heard sermons on it. Many of us have maybe even preached this, uh, this chapter. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing time for us to be living in when you stop and think about it. There's so many things that are happening in the world today. It's, uh, you know, I, I enjoy history. And, you know, recently I've, I'm, I have this app on my phone, the Libby app. And I've been listening to several different books and stuff like that. And I was listening to one called uh, Colonel uh, Theodore, or Colonel Roosevelt, you know, about President Roosevelt. Uh, but I guess that's what he wanted to be called after he, was, uh, after he was done with his presidency. I think he just wanted to be called Colonel Roosevelt. I don't think he wanted the title of President Roosevelt anymore. Something like that is what the book said. But I was like, man, that had to be such an amazing time to be living in. You know, this is the, the book picks up essentially where he's in Africa and then makes a tour around Europe and he has to go to different, uh, uh, visit different kings and princesses and all kinds of important people. And I was thinking to myself, man, that had to be a pretty cool time to be living in. But then I thought about it, I was like, mm, it might have been a little bit boring. Let me explain why. Because you're, you're, you're in your home, there's really no communication of what's going on out there. You know, how long did it take you to know who was going to be your president? How long did it take you to know that there was a war? How long would it take you to find out that a war was over? It was hard to get information. And in today's world, you can get on your phone and know what's going on around the world instantly. You know? We live in an exciting time. But more importantly, because we're living at the, at the very, very end of this earth's history. So we have the privilege, we have the amazing opportunity to witness the last days of sin. And we as God's children get to see Jesus Christ back. I pray, I pray that in our lifetime we get to see Him. But it, the ball is in our court. The ball is in our court. If we preach the gospel to the darkest corners of the earth, the sooner we do that, the sooner Jesus returns. You know, we can't be, there's no more time for shyness. There's no more time for, for fear. It's time for joy, for holy boldness to go and proclaim the gospel. You know, I'm working right now at, at the place called Lotrell. I think I've shared it with you all uh, in the past and stuff. And uh, I was walking, doing my job, you know, taking inventory down and everything, and this man comes up to me, and he, he, uh, we'd had some interesting conversations about uh, religion and denomination, and I just kind of hear him out, see where he's coming from and stuff like that, and, you know, when he asked me for my opinion, I give it to him, you know, but that's about it. And uh, he said something that was very interesting to me, you know, he knows that I'm a pastor and stuff, and um, he told me, he's like, hey, you haven't gotten that, that COVID shot, have you? I said, no, sir. He's like, okay, well, good. I said, okay. I, we, and I just wanted to know why. You know, I was like, well, why, why, why do you think that's good? He says, well, <laughs> now I'm going to tell you what this man is saying in our conversation. I'm not saying that he's wrong, that he's right, or that this is wrong, that that's right. Okay, I'm just sharing with you what the conversation said. He says, well, good. I said, okay, well, why do you think that's good? He says, because that's the mark of the beast. I said, oh, really? I said, okay. Why do you think it's the mark of the beast? He says, well, if you go to the book of Psalms, in Psalms chapter 2, it says that there's something about some cords and, and the kings of the earth destroying those cords. That's the DNA strand. I said, what in the world? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm pretty poker face. No, not really. I'm terrible. <laughs> but I can keep a straight face. As a matter of fact, sometimes my wife says, I don't know what you're thinking because your face doesn't move. And I'm like, well, right now I'm smiling. He's like, it doesn't look, she's like, it doesn't look like you're smiling. You need to smile big. So like, <laughs> it's like, don't smile anymore. That's scary. So I'm looking at this man and I'm trying to stay poker faced. And I'm asking, well, why do you think that is? He says, because the DNA strand is made by God, and that COVID shot actually alters the DNA, and it has microchips. And I said, what in the world have you been reading? I said, okay, that's interesting. He said, what do you think? I said, well, I don't think the mark of the beast is a COVID shot. He says, what? I said, no, I think it's, it's a system of worship. Why do you think that? I was like, well, when you read the Bible, it, it, it's a system of worship. 
It's nothing about a strand and, and DNA. Nowhere in there is there marked DNA. There's no DNA strand in, in that mark of the beast thing. And he says, oh, I just want to share that with you. And he walked away and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? So with the age that we're living in, there is so much information that is true, but there's also so much information that is false. We as God's people need to be in God's word. Not believing every single little news article that pops up on Facebook. There are so many people who do that like, I didn't know that. Maybe it's because it wasn't true. (laughs) You know? It's, it's, It's an interesting time for us to live in. Now, we're not getting again into the mark of the beast. We're not. Okay, sorry, hate to break it to you. But we're going to get into something similar to it, kind of leading up to it. Maybe today when you get home, before you take your nap, or after you take your nap, you can read Revelation chapter 13 and see what it has to do with the mark of a beast or, or an image. It's going to be about an image in the book of Daniel chapter 3. In the book of Daniel chapter 3, we have an amazing story where King Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the emperor, the leader of that world at that point in time in history, had conquered everything just a few years before. And he's a wise king. He's a very, very smart man when you actually think about it. For him to be like, you know what? I'm going to take representatives from all the countries that I have conquered. I'm going to take some of the royal family. I'm going to bring them into my, my realm, into my uh, area of influence. I will influence them and then they will become my allies. I will get them to accept what I want them to do. And then they will support me. Then their countries will support me creating peace. Does that make sense? Very smart. Very, very smart. That's why Daniel was there. That's why Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. We know the story in Daniel chapter 2. We know how in Daniel chapter 1 they would not eat the king's food. We know that story. We know that in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has his dream. He's just, he's new king, okay? Has his dream, doesn't know what this dream means, calls everybody that's important, that's supposed to know what this dream is supposed to be. They can't tell him what the dream is until Daniel says, my God can tell you what the dream is. Daniel tells him the dream about this image of different types of metals. You guys remember that story? Different types of metal. And then something stuck in Nebuchadnezzar's dream when Daniel told him, you are this head of gold, but after you. But after you. Then it's this and this and this. Nebuchadnezzar like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean after me? A person who gets, I, I guess, somebody who gets to that point in power eventually gets to a point where he doesn't want to think about, there's someone after me. Nobody wants to think that. As a matter of fact, pastors don't like it. (laughs) I hate to break it to you, I'm going to let you all in a little secret. Pastors don't want to know that the following pastor is going to be a better pastor than them. We can be a little bit selfish too, that's the truth. Okay? I've had conversations with other pastor friends, they're like, yeah, I don't think he's going to do as good as me. I said, okay. Hate to break it to you, but guess what? We're not, as we used to say back in the 90s, we're not all that in a bag of chips. (laughs) There's going to be somebody who's better than you, and that's a good thing. But Nebuchadnezzar was like, no. No. There's not going to be another kingdom greater than mine. Are you kidding me? So at first, in Daniel chapter 2, he's like, hey, wow, that's amazing. Your God actually revealed this to you. That is actually what I dreamed. A few years later, Nebuchadnezzar was like, ah... No, we're going to fix this. If I am this head of gold, I will make an entire image of gold. You know what that's called in today's world? It's called propaganda. I will get you to adopt, I will get you to accept, I will brainwash you to somehow plant this seed in your head to accept that Babylon will reign and lead forever. Okay, I will educate them in this system. That's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. So he does that. Can you imagine the preparation? Because we, we always get to the, to the last part of the story. Wow, that's what happened. No, no. Can you imagine the preparation that had to take place? Where in the world did they get all of this gold from? Where in the world is it now? <laughs> Where is this image of gold? Some scholars believe that it was about 90 feet tall. It probably wasn't one solid chunk of gold, but it was probably plated. Does it matter? That's a lot of gold. That is a lot of gold. Where is it now? 
The preparation, the time, the, the how many meetings did Nebuchadnezzar have to go to? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the backstory? How many? For example, when a, an evangelistic series is about to take place, when VBS is about to take place, do they just say, "Okay, well, this is that's how it's going to be." Period. Okay, everybody knows their jobs. Good. No, that's not how it happens. Okay, where are we going to get this gold? Okay, well, I heard this place has gold. Okay, you're going to go figure this out. We need to find somebody who's going to sculpture this. Okay, who's going to do it? Who's going to lead this, prop, this project? How tall should it be? Where will it be? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to let people know, hey, you got to bow to this image? Who's the musician going to be? Who are the musicians? Who's going to be leading this orchestra? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of planning. It's a lot of time. Meetings, how many late nights did Nebuchadnezzar have to stay up? Where was Daniel? What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to think about all of this? This is stuff that took weeks, at least weeks, to prepare ahead of time. Even if it's a king saying, this is what you will do, it still takes time to prepare. It doesn't just happen overnight. Let's take a wedding. Wedding. When you think of a wedding, what are you picturing? The bride and the groom and the preacher, right? That's what you're imagining. Have you ever, most of us here have been married. Most of us here are married. Can you remember, remember your wedding day? Wasn't it just a breeze? No, it was not just a breeze. Probably the most stressful day of my life. My wife showed up an hour and a half late. My bride at that time, she showed up an hour and a half late. Some people were looking at me like, oh, this poor fool has been stood up, doesn't even realize it. <laughs> it's stressful. It's stressful. The, the caterer got sick the morning of our wedding. Praise the Lord for the Spanish church in Keene. My mom and her friends got together and cooked up a meal for about 300 people. Yeah, because we're Mexican and we expect a lot of people. (laughs) It's a ton of preparation. You don't just prepare a wedding unless you're eloping, which after the wedding we're like, we should have just eloped. (laughs) Got to the justice of the peace with our parents, been like, done, hear my name, there's your name, let's go, that's it. That would have been so much easier. But no, we want the flowers. We want the, want the pretty dress. I'm like, let's just get married. But no, that's not what they want. It's an important day. It's an important day for Nebuchadnezzar. For Nebuchadnezzar, it is a day where essentially, he is sealing his entire conquered area. He is getting everybody to commit that his gods, that his way is the best way. Okay, so he needs everybody to understand that there's a ton of preparation that happens. It doesn't just—it's not like he just wiggles his nose or snaps a finger and it's done. A lot of preparation, a lot of time, a lot of ideas have to come into play. It doesn't just happen. It's time-consuming. I'll be honest. That's one thing that I do not miss about pastoring right now. I'm not gonna lie. I don't have to prepare board meeting minutes. I don't have to. I don't have to do anything. I do it because I want to. But it, it's, it is a load off. You know, when I, when I was pastoring, I was like, okay, how's this song going to be? Okay, where, is it, where are the deacons? Why aren't they deacons going up? Where is the children's story? Okay, this lady's taking too long in her children's story. It's, it's like that. There's no minute of rest, at least for me. I obsessed over the, the dumbest things sometimes. <laughs> Now it's like, okay, where do, I, where do I go, Rob? Just go up there and sit down. All right, go. Not to me when it's my time to pray. Okay, okay, when it's my time to pray. So easy. It's so nice to be told what to do. <laughs> so here Nebuchadnezzar has everything prepared. And it's about to happen. Let's read in our Bibles in the book of Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was six cubits and its width Six cubits, 60 cubits, and it's with six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the officials in the province gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image of Nebuchadnezzar that he had set up. So it's the day. It is the day of. And everybody has shown up. 
anybody who is anybody, if you look at this, all leaders from district courts, from small uh, uh, school assembly meetings, I don't know what they're called. Everybody who's anybody is there. It is the day off. Nebuchadnezzar had to be stressed out. He had to be stressed out because this is Nebuchadnezzar's way of influencing power in a peaceful way. If you actually think about it in worldly terms, this is a peaceful way to have everybody pay homage to who you are. That image of gold was not to the images that they... Understand that the reason that God didn't want us to bow down to images is because the images that we make is the worst things that are in us. So Nebuchadnezzar making this image of gold or how they used to do it back then, the kings and the pharaohs and royalty, when they made these images of gold, these gods, it was the gods that they wanted in their hearts, which is not good. So this image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up is essentially an image to himself that everybody must bow down to. It's a good way for everybody to pay allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar, to the Babylon that he has set up. Bow down to who I am, essentially is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. So everybody's told, you know, it's kind of like the bulletin. I imagine there's probably deacons over there holding the door. David, it's good to see him this morning. You know, thank you for coming, judge. Thank you for coming, mayor. Here's your bulletin. It has all the instructions there. Whenever you hear the music, just bow down. Everybody understood what that meant. You bow down in homage to the king. You bow down to homage to to the Babylon that the king has built. You are essentially saying to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, we are faithful to you. We are your servants. We worship you. So, everybody knew. Everybody knew that the music was going to play. Understand that they weren't just going to invite some little orchestra. The best of the best had to be prepared. And of course, anytime you have a bunch of people gathered to worship or to get together and have fun and there's music, guess what? There's also going to be food at the end. That's what always happens. You go to a wedding, guess what? At a wedding, they don't just have music at the wedding. They don't just say, I do, I do. No, at the wedding, come on, let's be honest, everybody looks forward to the, what? The reception. That's what I look forward to. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Everything was set up. Nebuchadnezzar is up there seated somewhere where he's visible. I imagine that they probably made him look like the image or made the image look like him. It is very clear this is a power move. Nebuchadnezzar is not playing around. They have furnaces there of fire too. What would they have in our day today? Electric chair, the hangman's noose. I'm serious. This was a way where Nebuchadnezzar had them, they see the image. What are those fiery furnaces for? What do you think, Bob? All we have to do is bow. That's a piece of cake. It's physical action. That's no problem. Everything was set up. Everything had been thought of. Almost everything had been thought of. So the music plays. The symphony, the whatever instruments that they had back then. I wonder what it sounded like. The music plays. And everybody in reverence and homage bows to this image, which is a representation of Nebuchadnezzar and his idea of gods. Except for three men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why didn't they bow? Their mom and dad weren't there with them. Jeremiah wasn't there with them. Ezekiel wasn't there with them. Why didn't they bow? Let's just say they didn't bow. Because we know what bowing is. Bowing, you get on your knees and you kind of get down. You know, why didn't they just pretend to bow? You know, why didn't they just... Oh, shoot, my sandals. Guys, my sandals. (sighs) Dang, these are the worst sandals. I should have gotten the strap on. You know, just... Velcro, that would have been so much easier. You know, or boots. <laughs> I wish that we would invent boots. You know, just slide them on this way. I don't do it. Oh, oh, what a coincidence. I'm done. And the music is done too. Wouldn't that have been so much easier? Hey, Shadrach, look at these ants. Wow, those are cool little ants. Let's get a closer look. Okay. Look at that. They're so small. 
There's a million excuses that they could have done. They wouldn't have been bowing. Not really. They were exploring God's creation and looking at the ants. You don't want a trip. You could have easily just tied your sandals, right? These guys didn't compromise. No compromise. Man, I, what if it would have been your children? How would you have felt? How would you have felt? Terrified? Get down, boy. They're going to kill you. Or would you have been like, that's my son? What if that was you? What would you have done? It is so easy. It is so easy to, to think to yourselves, well, this is what I would have done. Yeah, it's because you're not facing the firing squad. You're not facing, facing the, the, the fiery furnace. It's so easy to say, well, that's what I would have done. No, you don't know what you would have done. You know, what, what I do know is this. Just from the, the pattern that these, this story follows, is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't just all of a sudden decide to wake up that morning and say, you know what, guys? We're going to be faithful to God today. That's not how it happened. That, that feeling of being faithful to God happened years before. Decades before, in the small things, as small as diet, they decided we're not going to waver even when it comes to diet. In those small things at that time, because they were faithful then, in those tiny little things, that's when they were able to be faithful in the times where they were facing death. The greatest challenge of life. One cannot just all of a sudden decide to wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to God now, in the hard times. No, you're faithful to God in the easy times. When there's small little things in life that you have to be faithful to God to. When you're faithful to God in those nice easy times and begin to, be guilt, begin to build this foundation, when the difficult times in life come, because you prepared ahead of time, you don't waver. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, they did not waver in life. They were faithful to God. So when this time came, where was Daniel? When this time came, they weren't going to waver them either. But you always have the bad guy in the movie, you know? I have Audible and... You know, I like to listen to Louis L'Amour books, and man, Levi loves it too. You know, he'll be coloring back, and we listen to Audible, and he likes to listen to that story. And he always, we always relate to the good guy, huh? No person ever relates to the bad guy. We all want to be the hero in the movie. Here we have a scene where the bad guys come in. You always have the bad guy in a movie, you always have the bad guy in a book. You, there's always a bad guy. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, king, live forever. A bunch of, you know, suck-ups. Wanted to butter the king up. Oh, king, live forever. Oh, king, my knees are so dusty. I just bowed down to the image you told me to bow down to. Sorry, we were just being obedient, but there's certain Jews that weren't obedient, O oh, king. You, O oh, king, have made a decree that everyone who, bears the sound of, who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall bow down and worship the image of gold. King, that's such a great touch. The music was amazing. Everybody was in tune. Man, that whoever doesn't fall down and worship this image should be killed, right? Ah, oh, king. There's a few guys that didn't bow down to you. I'm sorry, to your image, O oh king, which is so magnificent. You are as magnificent as your image, but there's a few guys that didn't bow down. Some leaders in your kingdom... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods and worship the, Im the gold image which you have set up. How do you think Nebuchadnezzar felt? Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were strangers to old Neb? No, they weren't strangers to him. They, Nebuchadnezzar knew who they were. I wonder, I wonder, you know, did Nebuchadnezzar, did it cross his mind? Did it cross his mind? Man, I wonder who's not going to bow down. Oh, shoot. What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow down? What am I going to do then? You always think of everything. As a leader, you always think of everything. Where was Daniel? <laughs> Some scholars believe he was in another part of Babylon. Could it be? 
Could it be that Daniel told the king, this is a terrible idea. You cannot force worship on people. Could it be maybe Nebuchadnezzar was like, okay, well, I don't want to lose Daniel, so I'm just not even going to make him come because I know he's not going to bow down. I don't know. Have you thought about that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down. Nebuchadnezzar was, this says Nebuchadnezzar was in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? What if it would have been you? Were you ever sent to the principal's office? No, I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you never. I was. I remember one time down at Valley Grande Elementary. Our school was short for some reason, and they had I-beams at a point where I could jump and hang on the I-beams. Terrible idea. Now that I think about it, I was like, what was I thinking? And there I was, just jumped on the I-beams. I don't know. I had to be short because I was in eighth grade, you know. And I just jumped and grabbed the I-beam and was <laughs> climbing on the I-beams. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Until the principal caught me, Mr. H. Ooh, man, Mr. H. He was a shorter man, Cuban. Ooh, but when he would talk to you. And when he was having a good time, you were laughing too. But when you were in trouble, there's no question that you were in trouble. It's not like, you know, you go to the principal's office and you're like, I don't know if I'm in trouble. No, you knew you were in trouble. He would look straight in my... He looked right in my eyes. Why did you think that was a good idea? I don't know now. <laughs> it was a terrible idea, Mr. H. I'm so sorry. You know what I'm talking about. It's so funny. When my grandpa... When we would get in trouble, my, my grandpa was, was scolding us for doing something foolish. Don't look at me. Okay. Put your head down. Okay, yes, sir. And then we had an aunt. When I'm talking to you, look at me. I don't know what to do. Do I look to you? What do I do? <laughs> you know when you're, being, when you're being reprimanded. There's no doubt in your mind. Nebuchadnezzar was reprimanding Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because, guys, you are part of my leadership team. Why in the world are you not doing what I told you to do? Fiery furnaces. For bad guys, you're not bad guys. Do what I tell you to do or else there's a fiery furnace. Hmm. It tells them, you guys know the music plays. Look at the beautiful music we chose. The music plays, you bow down, you worship. Very simple. Everybody knows to worship. Worship what I tell you to worship. Worship how I tell you to worship. Do what I tell you to do. Except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serve a God of freedom. A God who frees people. He doesn't even force us to accept Jesus as Lord. Have you thought about that? That God is such a God of freedom who sends His Son to die for us so that we can choose to accept Him as Lord and Savior. We don't even have to. And here is this man, a mere mortal, who's trying to force worship when the creator of the heaven and earth don't even, doesn't even force worship on us. He wants us to worship Him out of love. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego then respond. I've never been a good responder. You know, when Mr. H was talking to me, I could go like this and go like that. I can't speak. I know when I'm in trouble. And sometimes when, you, when you're in trouble and you try to speak, do you guys ever stutter? I know when I'm in trouble and Anna tells me something. Sound <laughs> like Porky the Pig. <laughs> How do you even speak when you're in trouble? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. They're able to speak and not just say, Oh, sorry, King. Oh, man, my hearing aid. <laughs> I have hearing problems. It's so funny. I was at, the, at, at my job site because everything's so loud. You have earplugs in all the time. I told them the first day, I don't know what good is going to do me. I can't hear anyways. And they're like, well, you got to put them on for safety reasons. I said, okay, no problem. I'm not going to hear you even more, you know. So we had a hearing test done recently, and they took us into an office, and I like, put these earphones on. And I remember when I was a little kid, I had hearing problems. I was a little kid, had a hearing, the little, um, what do you call those things? Yeah, earmuffs. And they're like, when you, hear it, when you hear the sound, this is what the doctor told me, when you hear the sound, 
raise your arm. If you hear it in your right arm, raise your right arm. If you hear it on your left arm, raise your left arm. If you hear them both, raise them both. I wasn't hearing nothing. So I'm like, oh shoot, what if it started? I think I was looking at me like, what in the world is this boy doing? Does he not understand instructions? <laughs> well, I already did this one, so it's got to be this turn. Go with this one now. You know, and here I am, scheming. Okay, well, how long would it take him to switch? Okay, what if it's both now? My hearing was so bad. The guy was like, you know, I wasn't even playing some of it, and some of them I wasn't, you weren't even raising the right hand. So we're in this room, and it brings back memories, and he says, okay, when you hear the sound, just raise your hand. And I thought to myself, this is kind of foolish because there's a bunch of people here. We could all be cheating. I could be looking at that guy over there. Okay, that's his right hand. I will raise my right hand too. You know, it's the easiest way to cheat. I was like, I wish they could have done math this way. <laughs> but so he goes on and starts doing it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I can hear that. And, you know, they put the volume lower and lower. I can still hear it. I can still hear it. Okay, this one. I can hear that one. I can hear that. Okay, very good, very good. And then, well, actually, it was just one ear. And then everybody's doing both hands. And I'm like, man, mine's not doing it. Oh, I'm going to be honest this time. I'm not going to raise my hand if I don't hear nothing, you know. I'm a grown man. I don't have to be scared of this. And I'm waiting there. Everybody's, and I was like, man. Pull out my phone, get on Facebook. And they're looking at me. And I can't hear nothing. I'm like, I'm just going to wait. And the guy waves at me. Like, what's up? He goes, do you not hear anything? I go, was it going? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I was like, there was nothing. I was like, dude, give me another chance. <laughs> He's like, just, I was like, well, I'll pay more attention. Give me another chance. And they're all laughing and they're looking at me. And I'm like, you know, so you swallow real big. Because I'm like, I know I'm deaf, but I can't be that deaf. It's my left ear. That's my good ear. And I tell him, okay, you can go now. He's like, it's going. I was like, oh no. I was like, I hear nothing. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, I don't hear nothing. Do it again, do it again. Like, give me a third chance, I'll pay you. I was like, give me five bucks, come on, dude. He's like, okay, we'll do it again. I was like, and go. He's like, it's going. I was like, I don't hear anything. He goes, huh, let's switch the earmuffs around. Let's put it on, put the good one on that ear. I said, okay, okay, that's, I'll do whatever you say. Just don't let them know that I can't hear you. I put it on, all of a sudden it starts working. Yeah, I was like, this is faulty equipment. I was like, there's nothing wrong with my ears. What if they would have said that to Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, Neb, I didn't hear. Sorry. I, you know, I got in the hot tub, last, or hot tub last night and I got water in my ear. Couldn't hear the music, Neb. Give us another chance. That's not what they did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king and said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, give us another chance. No. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, hold on. Let me talk to my buddies here. Is there some sort of compromise that we can come down to? Neb, what if we just touch our toes? So we're halfways, but not really all the way. Nobody else is going to know. What if they would have said, Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, I know that this is a power trip that you're on. You know we're not going to bow down, so why don't you just let us out back, you know, this way nobody knows. You know, put us in a separate room where we don't have to bow down to your image. There's so many things you could say to get out of this. Think about it. So many excuses you could have given. I have bad knees. The doctor said I can't bend like that anymore. No. Listen to these words. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Do you know what that means? We don't need to give you an answer. We don't have to. We don't have to give... We don't have to let you know why we're not going to bow down to this image. That's what they're saying. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us from, the, from your hand, O King. Holy smokes. What do you say to the most powerful king in the world at that point in time? What do you say to the king when he has prepared fiery furnaces and you know that that is what they're there for? You know that's what they're there for. For them to say so boldly, we're not going to bow down, 
because the God that we serve will save us. But then the following, those three letters, B-U-T, it's a hinge word. You state something, and then you use that hinge word, but that word is like, it's kind of like the why in the road. We're going to go this way, but we can choose to go this way too. It's a hinge word. Where they have said, our God is able to deliver us and He will deliver us. It's going this way, but, look to the left, there's a different route there. If not, not if not we bow down, God will forgive us. No, that's not what it was. If not, if our God does not deliver us, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It made me swallow real hard right there. Those are bold words. It is so easy for us to be reading this 3,000 4,000 years later. How often do we remain faithful to God even in the small things? Yeah, I shouldn't be listening to this. I shouldn't be watching this. I shouldn't be participating in this conversation. How often do we remain faithful to God like that? Our God is able to deliver us and He will deliver us. But even if He chooses not to deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. What that means is this. Our God can save us because He's creator of heaven and earth. He's Just like He revealed to you the, the dream that you didn't even remember your own dream. God revealed to you what you dreamt and then told you the interpretation of the dream. That same God will deliver us. But then for them to say, even if He doesn't deliver us, in other words, even if we die, we're still not going to bow down to worship your image. You know, Civil disobedience is an interesting concept, isn't it? When a group of people can get together and protest peacefully. There's a difference between protesting peacefully and creating chaos. And when people create civil disobedience or protest peacefully, it calls attention to others who may not be around. What in the world is going on over there? Why are they all marching? What do those signs say? Why are they all sitting? What is that chant that they're, that they're saying? So many people in our world have done civil disobedience, have been civilly disobedient, I guess is a proper way to say it. And so many of them have died. In other countries, in this country, all around the world. You know, you look at the, the, the 1960s and 50s and 40s, when there's chaos, when there's civil disobedience, when there's races trying to integrate in our country. Listen to the story of Rosa Parks. You know, I, I was raised that when a person walks into, the, into your room, in, in the living room, if, somebody's, if a guest comes in, you stand up and you shake hands. It's just what you do. That's how my dad raised us. It doesn't matter who it is. If somebody comes into your house... You stand up and shake hands. If somebody comes to sit at your dinner table, my dad raises, you stand up, they sit, then you can sit. If there's chairs, if, if it's a church and it's jam-packed, and somebody comes in, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, you offer them your seat. That's how I was raised. Here Rosa Parks is tired and sits in a seat where she was not where she was not supposed to be sitting because of some ridiculous laws that people had. And that's how she protested. <laughs> Have you thought about that? In our world, it's so foreign. She sat in a seat. That was civil disobedience. People marched. That was civil disobedience. It is to call attention in a peaceful way so that people can wake up to the fact that, hey, something's not right over here. Hey, what's going on over there? Wait, people shouldn't be treated that way. Desmond Das, we like to talk about Desmond Das. Guess what? Desmond Das was civilly disobedient. You're going to go to war without a gun? Desmond, are you kidding me? They shoot you. 
There's bullets flying, Desmond. You're the weak link, bud. Pick up your gun. Shoot back, not hard. I, I enjoy shooting guns. It's something peaceful to me. You know, I go to the hell's place and, you know, they set, Eli sets his targets up and stuff. I know, you may be thinking, how is it peaceful? It's a loud bang. I put earplugs on. <laughs> Remember, I can't hear that well. <laughs> but Anna asked me, how is that relaxing to you? I said, well, you sit down. You kind of lean. So it's almost like you're about to go to sleep. <laughs> you know? And then you breathe. You control your breathing. And all I'm doing, I'm not thinking about a sermon. I'm not thinking about visiting a, a, a member who's sick. I'm not thinking about programs. I'm not thinking about my job. I'm not thinking about finances. I'm looking at a tiny little orange target 100, 300, 500 yards away. All I have to do is put this little cross on it and relax and control my breathing. There's nothing else. Nothing else exists except for that little orange target. And you just slowly pull the trigger until it breaks and it surprises you. And you hear this loud bang and it hits. And if you see a black hole in that orange target, you have done your job. It is so easy. It's not rocket science. And Desmond said, I will not bear arms to war. What in the world? That is called civil disobedience, folks. I wanted to make people aware, you can go to war, but I'm going to go help people. I don't know if you watched that movie. I'm not going to lie. I shed tears. And the reason that I shed tears is because I was, you, we always put yourself in the good guy's shoes. Oh man, I wish I was Wyatt Earp <laughs> in the OK Corral. I wish, you know, I was Desmond Doss. Until I saw what he was facing and he's in a, a crater that the, that bomb had just been made right there. Where he's got friends lying down next to him who are dying. And there's bad guys coming to shoot you. Not even bad guys. I can't even say that they're bad guys. Those people in the, Japan also had families. Who were also forced to go to war. And now you got to pick up a gun and shoot them or else they'll shoot you. I th- I, the reason I shed tears is because I said to myself, Desmond was a greater man than I was. I don't know what I would have done. You th- I think about my wife and kids. I got, I, I'm like, if I'm in his shoes, I want to come back to see Anna, Levi, and Noah. I want to see them grow up to become grown men. I can't die here. But his conscience said no. He was ready to face, he was ready to die. And then the courage that it took, the courage that it took for him to run and grab his friends as bullets are flying by. Understand, I I worked in Colleen as a youth pastor. Fort Hood was right there, military base. I had a lot of members that were Adventists that came to our church. They, They took up arms when they went to Afghanistan and Iraq. Desmond Nas didn't. Even when he faced death and he's dragging his buddies to the edge of this ridge, we all talk about it. He was a pathfinder. That's nice. He saved him because of pathfinders. That's nice. What made him special is the fact that he trusted God even facing death. Just one more. I would have been like, well, bye guys. Who gets a last laugh? Civil disobedience is an interesting thing. To peacefully protest is an interesting thing. Anybody can go and create chaos. Anybody can. But to just do it quietly to bring attention to something. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, I will protest this way. And then for them to say, O king, live forever. Well, guess what? Dude, we're not bowing down to your image. Because the God that we serve will save us. But even if He chooses not to save us, we're still not going to bow down to your image. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. All eyes are on Nebuchadnezzar. What is Nebuchadnezzar going to do? I don't know if you've ever been in charge of a program at church or some special ceremony. When something doesn't go right, that's all you are thinking of. Why isn't this working? 
<laughs> I feel bad for Charles. If the sound messes up, guess what? Who are people pointing fingers at? It's a stressful job. When you don't know the music or the music isn't working, it's stressful. Here, the king, everybody, this is his power move. He needs everybody to understand that he is the one who dictates how people live. If he doesn't punish like he said he was going to punish, in the method he said he was going to punish, he loses all credibility. Guess what? The next day, all the countries that he had conquered revolt against him. It's politics. Nebuchadnezzar was furious because he thought to himself, how dare you, after I fed you, after I took care of you, after I put you in royal houses, how dare you dishonor me this way? He was furious. Probably hotter than the fiery furnaces. So he gets mad, he says, turn him up seven times. Seven times hotter. Grabs the strongest man from his military. What, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? What would you have done? You know what, on second thought? <laughs> you know, I wonder, did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of this, did they just go, here you go, tie me up. Let's go. What if they led those men to the fire furnace? I don't believe that they put up a fight. I believe that they were ready to face death because of the faith that they had in God, that He would save them if, he wanted, if God wanted them to. But even if not, they were still going to be so faithful that they still went up. That's faith. That is faith. A lot of time, our faith hinges on that word, but. Where, okay, this is what I want to happen, but if it doesn't happen that way, Lord, I'm going to give up. If it doesn't happen this way, then I'm going to lose confidence in you. This is faith. Where it says, even if it doesn't work my way, God, guess what? I'm still going to serve you, Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know the story. They're led to this fire furnace. The men fall down. They die because it's so hot. And they fall into the fire furnace. They should have died as well. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar astonished. What? Because they disintegrated so fast in the flame? Astonished. It says, And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Understand that it wasn't just Nebuchadnezzar and his, his leaders on this pulp platform, pulpit, whatever it would have been. Understand that the whole entire plain of Dura was was filled with all of these people. All eyes were on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now. Everybody was watching. Some of them probably even thought to themselves, well, nobody's going to be so foolish as not to bow down to this image because there's a fire furnace, they're going to die. But now everybody's like, holy smokes, they're actually going to use a fire furnace. How? <laughs> That's dumb. But guess what? People don't turn their eyes away. People don't turn their eyes away when they would hang people. People didn't turn their eyes away when there was war. For some reason, people would actually go. I was reading something about in the, uh, when the 13 colonies were fighting. People would go up to a hill like a picnic and see the war. What in the world? And there they were just on a picnic. Oh, let's go look at the war. We're attracted to craziness. So everybody, they, they see the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, wait. Those guys are really high up in level, and the king is still going to kill them? Oh man, who's going to take their place? <laughs> they, they, it's like they want to look away because these guys are going to burn, but they can't. They cringe. The king jumps out of his seat because they see, he sees them fall down, and they're not burning. This is called a miracle. The other guys who saw it too, they can't believe it. They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Then he says, Look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not burnt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Have you thought about that? There's so much just in that verse. Look, he answered. I see four men loose. There we go. <laughs> like, why aren't there four? Uh, there you go. Four men loose. 
in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There's so much there. Why in the world didn't they get out? They're just kind of walking around. That's what it says there. Walking in the midst of the fire. Why didn't they jump out? I think it's because God needed Nebuchadnezzar to realize that the fire would not hurt them when his son was with him. Why? There's so many things. I mean, there's so many things that are here in this verse. Why didn't God send Gabriel? One of the top angels. Gabriel, get down there right now. Help these guys. Before they get in the fire, Gabriel, I want, them to, I want you to tell them that I love them, but they're going to die. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he, if, okay, Gabriel, just go preserve their life. But we're just going to send an angel right now. Could he have sent an angel? Yes. Did he have to send anybody? No. He could have literally just kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there in the fire and said, I'm going to preserve your life. I'm not going to send anybody, but people will know, people will know that you serve the one true God because you didn't die. That's not how God worked in this instance. The most amazing part is, could God, creator of heaven and earth, speaker of galaxies, could God have said, you know what, guys? I'm just going to make it rain. I'm going to put those fiery furnaces out. I'm going to make it known to the king that he does not hurt my children. Could God have done that? Yes, he could have. He could have literally destroyed the fiery furnaces. He could have killed Nebuchadnezzar. There's so many options with God. They're, they're infinite. Instead, God chooses the most impressive one in that He allows His faithful children to go through the trials, but He sends His Son to be with Him through those trials. So they are up there in the throne. Understand that they are in the throne and they're watching every scene. All eyes are on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All eyes. Not just Nebuchadnezzar. Not just those who were in the plains of Dura. Everybody in heaven, even those evil angels who had fallen, all eyes are on them. And God says, you know what? Jesus, go. Or Michael, go. Be with him. He gets off of his throne for three guys, for three sinners. To be with Him. In difficult times. So many times we pray. I know I have. Lord, I need a miracle. I don't remember what's going on in this test. I studied, Lord, but I don't know. If you could just give me an A. (laughs) Lord, my bank account's a little low. Can you just deposit some money for me? The cattle on the thousand hills are yours, Lord. Can you come, come on? Just help me out here. Make it so that I don't have this problem. I know when my dad was sick, when he had cancer. Lord, remove it. You're able to. Remove it. I anointed him, my brother anointed him, other pastors anointed him. Take it away, Lord. Where was God? So many times we want God to deliver us from that situation, not realizing that sometimes God needs us to go through that situation, and that He is with that in that situation. It's very easy. If you stop and think about it, it's very easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to get you out of there. But to say, you know what, you're in a mess, I'm going to sit next to you and I'm going to buckle up and I'm going to ride this one out with you. Holy smokes, are you kidding me? I remember on this mission trip, we're out there working and stuff, we're demolishing a building. I know it's a mission trip and we're supposed to be building buildings. This one had to come down, so we're taking it down. And here this, this, this he was the president of the union. He retired. We had no idea who he was. He was just, we thought he's just another Mexican guy out here helping us with a smiling face. And he's out there working, moving cinder blocks with us. We had no idea who this man was. And we were just kind of teasing back and forth. And we're like, come on, man. Don't let your age hinder you. <laughs> and he would just kind of laugh. And our pastor who was there, who was from that area, he kind of laughed too. 
I was like, guys, you guys better calm down. Yeah, I think that's enough joking. No, this guy's fun. It's fun to tease him. He just kind of laughs too. Yeah. He used to be the president of the union here. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Why did you tell us sooner? It was very easy if he would have been like, you know what, guys? Y'all just go home. You know what? Let's go to a nice resort town instead. We're going to get a construction company to build this for you. It would have been a piece of cake. I'm going to get the nominating committee of the union to build this church. You don't have to. We're going to get the experts to come and do this for you. You don't have to. But for him to say, I want to be with you. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to sweat with you. I want to work shoulder to shoulder with you. Holy smokes. That was amazing. For God, creator of heaven and earth... He could have easily said, you know what, Neb, you're not going to touch my children. You're not going to touch my sons. You're going to die. Done. You know what, Neb? I'm going to melt that image of gold. Done. You know what, Neb? I'm going to speak and I'm going to appear to all of those people in the plain of Dura and tell them that there is one true God, creator of heaven and earth. Done. He could have. But instead, he chose to send his son, to be with his faithful children through those difficult times. Do we ever praise God when he goes through with us on difficult journeys? Sometimes those journeys are caused by us. Do we ever thank him and say, Lord, thank you for being with me? It's hard to. It is really hard to. There's this song when I heard this song, man, it touched me. We're not going to sing it. I can't sing it. I had a cold. I'm getting over it. Of course, it's not going to work right now. There it is. It's called Another in the Fire. The first verse, it says, There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how, I, how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. It could have been so easy for God to do a million things where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't even have to be tied up, didn't even have to be put in that fiery furnace. It could have been so easy. But God says to His faithful children, I'm going to ride this one out with you, and I'm going to give you the victory. That story, that song was written by a man whose son had some, an ailment. I can't remember the name of the sickness. And I guess they've been trying for years to, to have children. They finally have a child, and something's wrong with this child, and take them to the doctor. And you're wrestling, Lord, what? I've been faithful to you all these years, Lord. Why am I going through this? And then it touched him. God is with me even through these difficult times. It is through difficult times in life that our true character is shown. We can either choose to reflect God's image, Christ's image in us, that He has been molding in us so carefully, or we can choose to not. My prayer is that we choose to reflect the image of God. That we can be faithful to, to Jesus even when our feet are held to the fire. This story touches so many people, even Nebuchadnezzar. He can't understand. It's physically, scientifically impossible. And yet here are these men just walking around in the fire. And one of them is like the Son of God. He says, come out. Come out. And Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, pays homage to the God of heaven and then says whoever doesn't respect doesn't reverend the God of heaven the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego says I'll, I'll kill them I'm like didn't you learn? <laughs> it's good for us to go through difficult times I believe that it's good for us because it is through those difficult times if we allow it if we open our eyes we can see God closer to us than He will ever be.
If we're faithful to God in those difficult times, He's right there next to us. If you cry out, He's right there. Riding the storm in. Buckled up next to you. Saying, hang on, it's going to be rough. But I'm not going to let you go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for who you are, Lord. You could have delivered them. You could have destroyed the kingdom of Babylon. There's so many things, Lord. Our imagination can go wild on all the different ways that you could have delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But instead, Lord, for you, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who is infinite, the one who knows no end, the one who is all beauty, the one who is all majesty, for you to say, I'm sending one of us to be in that fire with them. Lord, that is beautiful. Lord, may we remember, Lord, that in difficult times, those difficult times that maybe we didn't have anything to do with and we're going through them, that you're with us. In the difficult times, Lord, where maybe we got ourselves into that mess, you're right there with us. Lord, may we bring praises and honor and glory to your name, Lord. It isn't easy facing difficult times, Lord. But Lord, help us. I ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen.